guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. You still trusting the process in Philadelphia? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not the, I'm not the dude for that. I never trusted the process. I never liked the process. As far as I'm concerned, the process was idiotic, and it was robbing the average fan of, of decent competition. This franchise was losing on purpose for years and stealing money from the citizens of Philadelphia. The bottom line is Joel Embiid is the real deal. But Ben Simmons, I'm sorry, I hate to say this because he's an ultra talent. He's a jump shot away from being LeBron James as far as I'm concerned. But he has no shot, no confidence whatsoever. He's only great on offense when he's going downhill. You've got to trade him. You've got to trade Ben Simmons. It's really, really that simple. Him and Joel Embiid, that experiment is over. We've seen enough. Ben Simmons has to be moved. I love him. Speculation. I love how he's just like on his. He, so ESPN <laughs> yeah. producers just called him and like, "Hey, FaceTime. can you just like get on Facetime yeah. from the arena you know the floor great thing? and just rant about Ben Simmons?" Stephen A. <laughs> the greatest thing, like, and I mean, he is a marketing machine for himself. But the best part is, I don't think he ever says no. Like they could call him no, at three in the morning and say, "We're doing a Sports Center special. Grab your phone, uh, pull the covers up to your neck, and we're going to do a hit." And he'd be like, "Okay." I dropped a Stephen A. Smith line at the wedding on Saturday when they <laughs> so said, it's "Available uh, and good for him." They said, "Well, you're going to get a couple cocktails. You're going to start debating sports." Said, "I don't debate for free. I don't. I, I pulled. I, I pulled the Stephen A. So I was oh, like, no, I don't didn't know. I, said, I don't. I said in the words of Stephen A. Smith, "I don't oh. debate for free." But if you buy me like a half a cocktail, yeah, all right, all right, I'll, 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 I'll talk about that. Okay, all right. And it shouldn't be debating. It should be I will listen to you for five dollars. <laughs> like I won't debate you. I'll debate you for twenty. But for I will five, not a couple times, I will I, give me five right now, and I will listen to your take and nod and be like, okay, cool. And then I'm done. Twenty bucks, I'll debate you on it. For well, for twenty, I'll feign interest. For fifty, I'll, I'll offer some you. some thoughts back. <laughs> So, uh, well, I mean, everyone this morning is talking about not just uh, trading Ben Simmons, but just the inevitability of he's going to be traded, right? So, reckless speculation. So, we'll get to our statements today on this Monday, Mackie and Judd. We've got we've got Purple Daily conversations on our other daily podcast, but boys, usually Thursday is reserved for reckless speculation around here. But with everything that's been percolating around the NHL, Jack Eichel. And the NBA after last night and the entire series debacle by Ben Simmons. I think it's time we uh Reckless Speculation. Dive in on a Monday here. So let's let's do let's let's talk about two players here before we get to statements. Jack Eichel and Ben Simmons. And let's start with Ben Simmons because he's the hot topic. I mean, Ben Simmons took zero fourth quarter shots in the last four games of that series. Would you guys consider buying low? Now, just for some context, a year ago at this time, or actually it was more like because the season was, the calendar was shifted. It was like last November. Yes. There were discussions behind the scenes between the Timberwolves and a number of teams, including Philadelphia, about Mm -hmm. trading the number one pick for Ben Simmons. And it probably would have been a three-way deal and somebody else gets the number one pick. But these are conversations that have taken place before. The price is probably a lot lower now. Would you consider picking up the phone and buying low on Ben Simmons? And on both of these stars, when it comes to the Wolves and Wild, there is a legitimate case to be made that they are in. Like so, so like this is not a. I feel like we have we have um, different potential um, areas of reckless speculation. Right, like like like, need, like, like, a, like a green, yeah. orange, well, and a like, red. Like I might say to you guys, like level at an airport. Yeah, no, true. It's but you know, I I might come in and say, you know, Simmons would be great here, and you guys might be both like, well, they're not trading for him, but it'd still be fun to talk about, right? So like yep. that's sort of a Mackie and Judd. We are we are literally recklessly making this up because it's fun. I feel like what we're about to the path we're about to go down here now, you guys is legitimate, like, no, the Timberwolves, the Wild can be in. Like, if they want to be in, they're in. So, so what if we started with just, like, three categories? Like, category, cat- we have category one, cat- it's like a hurricane. Yeah. Category yep. one, category two, category three. Yes, category one is just a harebrained theory that we are throwing out. Yellow. Like, three or, f- yeah, yellow. yellow. So, yellow, what would the colors be? Yellow, orange, and red, Deshaun, I guess? Yeah. Deshaun Watson. We just threw that out. That's yellow. 
or three years ago, I think where Reckless Speculation was really born officially on the Mackie and Judd radio show, um, we floated the notion of Miguel Sano for Chris Archer at one point, yes, like nice. three or four years ago. And that was just our harebrained theory of, oh, would you, would you consider this? Correct. So, that, so, so yellow is theory. Orange is uh, uh, probasketballrumors.net or something. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, cited somebody with a blue check mark. Was it Evan Massey, whoever that guy was? Uh, but Forbes, but it's man, not okay. a Woj bomb. Yeah. yeah, it's like there's some smoke. There's some yeah, smoke. There's and smoke. then and then red would be no. This is these are actual conversations. This is a reality. So yes. these these Jack Eichel and Ben Simmons, I think, would be like orange into red territory. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. Okay. On Ben Simmons. Okay, it's tempting. But I don't think that they're going to give him away. I think the price tag is still going to be more than we would expect. And with where the Wolves are going and with what he just showed, and by the way, an incredibly important platform. Like, I mean, this is not a, oh, he had a tough series. This is a continuing problem that that he has had um, ultimately lots of times in the most important um, series playoffs that he could be in. I would not give the Sixers, if I'm the Wolves, and look, I mean, I'm trying to improve. I that that team is I think the Wolves can be a contender to be in the top 10 and get into the play in for sure next year. Uh, So I think improving such a high bar. (laughs) So I think I mean, think about that. But I I really do believe that they have the potential if they make the right moves. And Ben Simmons, yes, at times can be a great player. But here's the problem. His shot's just broken. And like he tries to fix it. And, And the most the dangerous thing is he does at times fix it in a gym in July. So then you're like, oh, look at that. Oh, I saw him on a summer game or something. Um, But does that translate to the most important time when he is literally going to the basket for what should be like a slam dunk and he passes the ball because he so badly does not clearly want to try to shoot. So he doesn't want to shoot the free throws. Well, right. But I mean, I just don't think... I just don't believe that that's the type of player that I'm going to give up the haul that the Sixers are going to try to get uh, for that guy. And and look, if you want to go down the path, gentlemen, of a frustrating player, we've had it. Wiggy, okay? Because, I mean, the guy had talent. He definitely had talent. There was skill there. But what happened? There were all There were shortcomings in his game, and some of them were mental, just like with uh, ben, to the point where you felt that you couldn't trust him, and you were right about that. So I am out on this one, although it's a great one to talk about. All right. I'm in on this one with a couple conditions, okay? So I and I know there's going to be some people, and by the right, way, yeah. let us know. We're getting added already on Twitter. Us. We're getting added already on Twitter. This is a reach, Let's, boys. It's a slow time oh, did, of the year. So we're did you, oh, oh, did you, you put oh, something posted. up on the score on it's, Twitter? It's on I Twitter and ta- Facebook. I yeah. think they'll talk and to him. Instagram. I think they'll talk to him. Yeah. This 100%, this just to call. be clear, okay? Yeah. Gerson Rosas, friend of the show. Okay? Friend of the show. He came on our show about a year ago, and he said, listen, I mean, we pick up the phone. Like, we literally will just float ideas by teams all the time. Because we asked him, of the things you guys talk about behind the scenes, you've got, you've got the trade machine guy in your front office, like the guy that created the trade machine for ESPN.com. He said, oh, that's awesome. Let's hire that guy. And I said, how, how, how many, like, what percentage of things that you float behind the scenes? I think Judd asked this question. Uh, do you actually pick up the phone and call someone? And he said, about 50%. So these things, these conversations absolutely happen. One year ago, it was the number one pick. That was the conversation. What, what would it take to get Ben Simmons, former number one pick? Yeah, he's got a broken shot, but he's this just unicorn seven-foot ball handler who can rebound. He scores inside. He plays defense, right? Like, he can guard almost any position on the floor. And last year, the conversation was number one pick. That's not the conversation this time around. Like, you would laugh if they picked up the phone and said, Anthony Edwards, and the, and the, and whatever it would take to match salaries Correct. with a 35, because he's owed $35 million a year on average for the next four years because mm-hmm. he just signed a max contract. I think this is just my own. This is just my own. Reckless speculation. The Sixers need a ball handling and offensive centric guard. Like th- there's going to be all kinds of names floated. Brett, like think about the guys who make a lot of money that are maybe a little bit disgruntled or have hit a glass ceiling in their market. So think about Bradley Beal in Washington. Think about both. I would say Dame Lillard. I, I think Dame stays with Portland, but like these are the names you're going to hear Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum. 
Well, you know who else falls into that category? Not on the Dame level, but like a guy who could fit in that category. D'Angelo Russell. His salary fits. And if you, if, you, if you look at the stock of Ben Simmons dropping, and okay, no longer can you pick up the phone and ask for the number one overall pick or a prospect with a ceiling like an Ant Edwards without getting laughed at, I think anyways, I would, if, if I'm Gerson Rosas, I would never entertain trading Ant Edwards for Ben Simmons. Not in 2021 NBA. But I think Simmons, if you were to swap D'Lo for Simmons, and I don't know if you'd have to include other teams, I don't know if the Sixers would, would look at that as enough uh, of a stylistic change and upgrade to pair with uh, Joel Embiid, but from the Timberwolves' perspective, Ben Simmons would come in here, and you'd have to get him to fix his. Sh- like he's got to feel comfortable at least shooting some mid-range shots. Like Chris Paul, like you can't not shoot, and you can't you, you can't make thirty-four percent of your free throws or whatever it was for a stretch, right? But he would come in here, and he would essentially devote his entire existence to making Cat and Ant better as players. He doesn't need to take 15, 16 shots a game. His entire existence is make the people around him better, play great perimeter defense. He wants to distribute to shooters, right? Now, now D'Lo, D'Lo can play off the ball. D'Lo can play second or third guy. But in D'Lo's core, he wants to shoot like 20 times a game. And he wants to be the guy on that team, right? And so I think you're going to have a D'Lo ant problem at some point, And Ben Simmons would fix that problem on paper. And he would fix the Wolves' perimeter defense. Ben Simmons... Cat and Ant, to me, is a better trio, and and you would be a better team instantly in 2021-22 than D'Lo, Ant, and Cat. So for those reasons, I'm in if I'm on Shark Tank right now for reckless trade speculation. I think it's reckless speculation. In theory, I think it fits really well, but here's my concern. I think Ben Simmons, when it counts, is mentally broke, and I don't think you're getting it back. Like but I, he, but he, but at least he helps you get to the games that count, right? But then he's going to choke, and and he becomes the the thing about it is I need so in two thousand twenty one twenty two in this league, I'm with you because there's only a certain amount of shots to go around, and now point guards are hybrid players, so they can obviously shoot. It's not the old school point guard guy, but I need my point guard to be able to be a consistent threat but know his role know what know the fact that he needs to be at times for sure pass first the problem is and the sixers have encountered this you get to a point where it's a huge game and ben simmons needs to be a threat and he actually just melts down cuz he doesn't know what to do and he's so mentally broke that's my problem is if he was if he was still young and and heck we used to talk about this you know can he fix it cuz at that point in time he thought he probably can this to me reminds me of of steve Sachs or Knobloch not being able to throw to second base like he's it's it's something in his brain is not firing um, and that's a really bad place to be. And and opposing defenses in big games know that. And so now he's zero threat. So that's why I probably... Now, if I could get him at the right price, Phil, I'm in for sure. But I'm just saying, I don't think the Sixers are going to give you the opportunity uh, to rip them off. I think that they are still going to say this guy has, you know, as you pointed out, incredible value. We want X, Y, and Z. And I don't think I can give them that for a player that I know in the biggest moment is going to melt down. Real quick, you, you mentioned like it's like a Steve Sachs or Chuck Knobloch, like old school throwing yips problems. So Kevin O'Connor, our friend from The Ringer, tweeted this out. So Ben Simmons shoots left-handed. He shoots left-handed. Okay, like that's his like his jump shot is a left-hand jump shot. Ben Simmons took ninety-five shots in the playoffs. Sixty-seven of those shots were using his right hand. Nineteen shots using both hands. So dunks, I would guess. And only nine shots using his left hand. In his career, over 70% of his shots are righty. Simmons in 2016 said, quote, I think I was supposed to be right-handed. So he's right-handed in like everything else that he does. But he shoots the ball like free throws and threes. He shoots the ball left-handed. And so listen, but here's the thing. Even with him having a broken jump shot. And by the way, he's like as, as bad as he was in the playoffs. He's not. He's like a 60-some, like a 60-65% free throw shooter in when he's not melting down against uh, the Hawks in the playoffs. So it's not as bad as it was for his career. But he's, even with his deficiencies, this is my, this is my final point, and then Dex, you can break the tie. 
even with his deficiencies, he's a better player. Probably, like if you look at win shares, he's like twice the player that D'Lo is because he's so great as a as a lanky perimeter defender, a rebounder, getting other guys open looks. And Philadelphia hasn't exactly like this year. They brought in Seth Curry, and they had some more. They've had JJ Redick, but you know it's not like like Philadelphia with Embiid and Simmons, and they didn't always have great shooters around those two guys too. It's always been kind of a weird fit. It's a little bit like Ricky Rubio. Like Ben Simmons is a taller, better, more blue chip version of Ricky Rubio. And Ricky Rubio, when he played around guys who couldn't shoot, looked terrible, right? But when you put him out in Utah or out in Phoenix and you get players around him that make sense, boom, those teams start to win games. So I'm saying like Ben Simmons with Ant, whose shot is getting better, and Cat, who's one of the best shooters in the NBA, and Beasley, who's one of the best shooters in the NBA. To me, like it's an immediate. If you were to swap D'Lo for Ben Simmons right now, it's a huge upgrade, and the Wolves are not only just a top 10 team, but they're like in the top seven or eight in the Western Conference starting in 2021-22. Buy low. I don't think they do that, though. The you Wolves? Guys, you don't think the Sixers? I, I don't think the Sixers make that trade. Like I think the Sixers want more. Dude, I, dude, I think the Sixers Straight up, have I, to trade him. Oh, they they, they do, but him. somebody's going. But it's not like all teams are going to be out now, so it's mm-hmm. going to be a competition. And I don't think D'Lo for for Simmons gets it done. I think D'Lo is a starting point, but I think it's more than that. And that's the question is. And personally, I'm not going to give up a lot more. Well, if if the Wolves do get one of the top three picks, let's say it's three. Let's just say it's number three, and it's D'Lo and that third overall pick for Ben Simmons. Do you that's, pull that trade? That's no. too much. Can't do no, it. Zero chance. I would. I'd rather. Have, I'd rather roll. have. Who, yeah. I'd rather have whoever the Wolves are going to get as a young, cheap player With, and add that to this nucleus. Yes. Yeah. I don't, and, and I know why you're bringing that up because a year ago, that was the value of Ben yeah. Simmons. Like yeah. that, like, but I, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think it's laughable to suggest that the, that the Sixers would get a top three pick for Ben Simmons after what we just watched. Like what now, now could there be some sort of three or four team trade where, you know, let you know Ben comes to the Timberwolves, and then D'Lo goes somewhere else, and then it's like Beal that goes to right. uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, like that's the way most blockbuster trades work in the NBA. You get a third or a fourth team in. But if if the Wolves do keep their pick tomorrow night in the draft lottery, then you just then you keep your roster intact. Yeah, for the most part, maybe go get Miles Turner to play the five, and uh, and you you add a game changing piece for six, seven, eight million dollars a year on a team controlled contract. I'm curious on it. I think you could possibly make it work, but I mean, Simmons also is going to be making some serious coin because he's already hit some of his like bonuses in his cap being all NBA third team. So his cap at next year's 33 and then it goes up to 35, 37, 40 over the next four respective years of that contract, yeah. which would make him the highest paid player, like even higher paid than Cat, who's on a rookie max deal as it is too, and D'Lo, who's on a max contract as well. So just making the money work, I think would be incredibly difficult with the nucleus of Cat. D'Lo and Ben Simmons. So most likely D'Lo goes away in that trade. I'm also yeah, it, it would 100 yeah. percent have to include D'Lo. I'm also out on on potentially super mentally fragile people. <laughs> like no, I, I'm just I'm tired of it with this team. Like like cat cat has his cat things, and and you know what? If Cat's your one guy who he's a great player, but he's a little bit fragile at times. I can I can tolerate that, and I think Ant can help because he clearly is going to emerge as a guy who's probably going to be the voice of that team. That's awesome. Um, but after what we've seen, do I really want to bring in another guy who, when the going gets tough, literally just shrinks? I mean, Ben Simmons didn't – like, this wasn't a small problem. He shrank completely. I mean, this Jim, is Jim, – Jimmy Butler. of it. I would want to read Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid's text thread if <laughs> the Timberwolves acquired Ben Simmons to pair with Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you know what I, I'd love I to hear? need to see those. Things. I would love to hear Jimmy's thoughts on the whole thing now, like playing here with with Cat uh, and our guy Wiggy going to Philadelphia. I mean, you, you, you know his thoughts. Playing He's with public Simmons about his thoughts. Playing with Simmons, right? But I mean, like the whole play by play of like the because he basically got traded from one team where he didn't like the uh, makeup of said team. And he was right. I, I still disagree with how he went about it. And then he went to another team that had some of the exact same issues with players. Yeah, but now he doesn't. Now he doesn't like the makeup of the. Of oh, the he's, heat. He, like there's. Yeah, the, no, he's, he's nuts. 
He's a fraud. And he, I get that they went to the finals yeah, and he no. put up a ridiculous game. He's got like, problems he's too. I would just like to hear I'd like to hear the whole thing. I would. But yeah, I am I can't do another guy who's going to basically shrivel up and not do his job when a team needs him most. I'm tired of mentally weak people, coddled society. Let's stop it. Let's get some <laughs> mentally strong people in here. That's why I like Ant Edwards. All right. Right. But it's a fun, it's a great talk, a great talk, and it's not going away. Nope. Okay, uh, the other the other winter sports team here. So the New York Post had an interesting little twist on these Jack Eichel rumors and reports that are coming out. So New York Post said, in addition to the usual suspects, including the Ducks, Flyers, Wild, Kings, and maybe the Rangers, there is a previously undisclosed entrant in the hunt for Jack Eichel. Uh, the Blackhawks have taken a ticket at the deli counter in communicating their interest <laughs> in the 24-year-old center who's in the midst of a divorce in proceedings with the Sabres while possibly facing a tricky surgery to repair herniated disc. In order to succeed in its quest, Chicago's offer would have to feature Kirby. Is it Kirby Doc? Yes. Kirby Doc, the yep. 20 year old, uh, The 20-year-old center who was drafted third overall a couple years ago, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, so now Ducks, Flyers, Wild, Kings, maybe the Rangers – and uh, maybe the Blackhawks involved. That dog in hates Jack the trade. Yeah, that that dog, dog outside out. in dog, Seattle dog's hates out the Eichel trade. Big dog's got to eat. Or I just want to keep the I for just want to keep the window open once in a while. Get a cool. You know breeze what the dog wants? The studio. Eichel on the Kraken. Yeah. Dog's like <laughs> yeah. BS about Minnesota. Shut up out there. Who are you? Uh, so are you guys? Uh, are you guys? How, how do you survey the Jack Eichel landscape here? Uh, it sounds like a trade is going to happen, but. Are you still interested in the wild doing something for Jack Eichel? Dex, do you want to yeah, I'm, lead I'm, us off? I'm, I'm in on it. I'm in on the idea. There's still some vetting that has to go into his process of his neck injury. There's some off the ice question marks, too, that people have thrown out there just about his work ethic. And is it is it Buffalo being a terribly run franchise, which I am more leaning towards than I am Jack Eichel being a problem in that room? Um, Bill Guerin definitely knows good character when he sees one. So I know he's going to do a good vetting process on if Eichel can fit into that mold and be a person in that locker room for them. Cause he obviously just as a skater and just as a hockey player, he makes you better. That's, that's clear. That's pretty damn clear. He's one of the best centers in the league, but he's got some demons in his past. And I'm, I'm curious if the wild are not, are a little scared to do that, but the wild have more resources to make a trade like this and make it work than the Timberwolves do. So we're, we're just throwing out D'Lo mostly because of the money and and because it would make sense from that standpoint with with um, with the NBA's salary cap situation with the Wild, they have three first round picks over the next two drafts. They have Kevin Fiala who can make it work. They have arguably one of the best prospect pools in the NHL still. So like the resources to get someone like Jack Eichel are a lot more sustainable and achievable than the Timberwolves have of trying to pull off a trade for Ben Simmons. So yeah, I'm I'm still in on the idea. I know I'll probably have to give up Kevin Fiala, and that's a kind of a tougher pill for me to swallow but you also have to spend to give. So if, if it does cost Fiala and a, one of the first round picks and maybe a, a lower tier prospect or mid tier prospect, I'm probably in on that trade. Yeah, but it's going to cost you more than that. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to want Fiala. They're going to want one. I think they might want both of your first round picks and another player. And, but here's why, here's why more and more. And look, this is fun to talk about. I mean, this stuff's great. I love the speculation. It's completely well, it's reckless. Reckless speculation. No, I think these talks are taking place, but here's why I'm out. Um, the more I think about this, Eichel has is going to have neck surgery, okay? And I mean, we with when when it comes to Hunter and his neck problem, what's the one thing that, that we've been talking about because of his contract? It's a concern. Like you're coming off h- hockey and football aren't nice little sports. They're huge contact sports where your head gets jarred a lot and your neck definitely gets jarred quite a bit. Uh, the asking price for what the Sabres are going to want for Eichel when he's going to have a surgery that I'm not 100, like you can't guarantee me it's going to be fine. You just can't. Not It's not your no. fault. You just can't. So given all of those circumstances, as attractive and seductive as this might sound to do, I I can't do it because he's going to still have surgery. I don't know when he's going to be available to play. I don't know if he's going to be the same player. I, I mean, just think about all of the the variables that go into what the asking price would be. Um, if he was healthy, I'd probably give him a lot and do it, but he's not, and I can't guarantee he's going to come back as the exact same player. Mm. I wrestle on this one because anything that you would give up would involve 
gutting your depth, right? Gutting, yeah. gutting number one picks that could help you yeah. in the next three years, gutting Fiala. And so I guess I would kick the question back to you guys. If you, if there was a world in which your depth was meh, but you had Eichel and Kaprizov, and then you had, you, st- you wouldn't be giving up everybody. You'd still have, now, now the expansion draft might gut you further, but can you win a Stanley Cup with Kaprizov, Eichel, and then a meh, supporting cast. I suppose if you've got a top 5 goaltender in the playoffs, but like is it do you do you go that top heavy route where you've got two dudes no. who are going to just make a ton of money? No. No, no. You you need depth. Look at these the teams that are left right now. Look at their fourth lines. Their fourth lines are good. They're contributing a ton. Mm-hmm. So no, I no, I can't it it's not like basketball where you know what? I've got three guys. I am set. I this is a sport where depth, especially in the playoffs, where it is it is literally a, a game of attrition. I mean, you are in that sport. Guys are they get hurt left and right and don't play in games. Um, so no, I think if you want a cup, your center depth needs to be improved. And it look, it would be great to have a number one clear cut center who you said could play with Kaprizov and he's great. All of that though is is not worth saying. We got Jack Eichel, but we just gave up two key pieces potentially to our future, Fiala and something else. And I just think somebody is going to give Buffalo a lot. That That's what it comes down to. With Simmons and Eichel, I really believe that those teams are going to, to once we get past how things have gone, like in the playoffs and, and how bad th- that uh, Simmons was against the Hawks, I think the Sixers are going to get more than we expect and like I can't be the guy just giving that to them for for the sake of what would be a really fun press conference. Yeah, I mean, I also when when it comes to anything involving the Timberwolves, I'm always viewing it through like the best possible case scenario, which never happens for them. So reckless speculation. I'm a I'm a fraud. So take everything I say about the Timberwolves with a huge. Blow. I'm the one that said they they could be a top ten team. They could be in the plan next season. Top ten in the West. In the West. Yeah, not top 10 in the NBA. No, I'm just saying they'd be in the play-in tournament. They could be a top 20 team in the NBA. How much, again, I will ask you this, and, and Phil, this probably comes back and impacts you the most because you are the biggest NBA guy on the show. As you watch these playoffs, like, can you even in your head get it or get your head around the fact that, like, the Wolves are in this league? Like as as long as big of a long shot as it might seem. Like when you watch the Hawks, dude. When when the Hawks and Wolves played on MLK Day, they weren't that far apart. Well, the Wolves beat the Jazz twice, and I get the the Jazz. I think the Jazz might have been without Donovan Mitchell for sure in one of those games, maybe both. Uh, so grain of salt there too. But I watch these playoffs, and we can talk about this maybe tomorrow or Wednesday, but. I watch these playoffs, and it actually gives me way more hope for the Wolves than at any point in the last 15 years. Because you're seeing these teams without, like, there's you don't have these dynasties anymore. Because yep. Le, Le, LeBron uh, and Anthony Davis are both aging and getting hurt. And the Warriors are aging. And now the Warriors are going to, they're going to do something, and they're going to be back. And they're going to try and maximize, like, the last two years of uh, Steph and Clay at their peak. Uh, the only real super team in the NBA right now is Brooklyn, and all three of those guys have major injury history that prevented them from advancing to the conference finals, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm not thinking about the Wolves on a championship level by any means, only in my dreams, but the league is so ripe for teams to go from close to the bottom to at least winning a playoff series or two. I mean, guys, the Hawks were like a 20-win team last year. Yes. Yeah. They were They were not good. Uh, the, the Sun, now, the Suns' asterisk... They added Chris Paul to the mix, and Chris Paul is an all-time great player. There is no such move, really, for the Timberwolves to make. Like Ben Simmons, I think, would be an upgrade over D'Lo, but he's not Chris Paul. Um, so, But they did go 8-0 in the bubble without Chris Paul last year. So it's so wide open if you scheme it right, and Chris Finch seems to have a mind for how to scheme in the modern NBA. If you've got that sort of combo guard like Ant Edwards can be, who can handle the ball, who can drive to the hoop, who can shoot, distribute, and you got some bigs who can their biggest problem is defense like they just they don't understand help defense they don't understand the effort that it takes 
Um, and you watch, that's like, practice, watch, the, right? watch the Clippers in the second half of that elimination game. I mean, my God, without Kawhi Leonard, and they're just swarming. Right? But if you have, have a training camp, and I'm, I'm not trying to imply it would be perfect, but if you have a training camp and practices, which they basically didn't have, um, to work on, on things, because it, it strikes me as defense ain't fun. So, like, that's actual practice and mm-hmm. teamwork, and, and it's, not, it's not just skills. Um, but, I mean, if Finch knows what he's doing, and this is the first time, Phil, in how long where what you said about this league now applies. I, I mean, it feels like up until now, basically, the entire time that we have done this show, going back to day one, it was always about dynasties, right? Or, or the teams with the three best players. Like, you knew who was going to get through, and that's not true now. So it's really cool. I mean, it's fun to watch. I, I haven't had this much fun watching NBA play the NBA playoffs in years. Yeah. The other thing that just makes it so much more wide open is the the like the Mount Rushmore of great players of the last five or eight or ten years. They're all getting old now, and so there's just more volatility. There's more like they're going to erode. Steph Curry's going to be 33, I think, when next season starts. LeBron's 36, going to be 37. Wow. KD looks amazing, but KD's also a year removed from a torn Achilles yeah. tendon. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's, at, what, in his early 30s? So D- Dame Lillard is 30. So there's a there's a window here for the next three to five years for guys like Ant to step up. No longer will LeBron be blocking, well, right now the Western Conference, but whatever conference he's been playing in, mostly Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know. I just... Put, you know, call me a Wolves apologist and Homer all you want because it's true. But I just see your Wolves apologist. I see Homer. opportunity in the Western Conference here, and the Wolves are onto something interesting with what we saw in the last month and a half of the year. In the words of a uh, Dane Moore, friend of the show, weirdest team ever, which he made shirts. <laughs> he literally made shirts. Weirdest team ever. He had some the stuff Minnesota to cover. Tim- the, the 2021 Minnesota Timberwolves, weirdest team ever, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, boys, I'll tell you. Uh, one of the least weird teams ever mm-hmm. is Dennis Kirk. Dennis Kirk has their stuff buttoned up if you're a rider. If you like to ride motorcycles, sport bikes, whatever it is, Dennis Kirk is here with 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. And with summer, well, summer was heating up, and now it's sort of cooling down. And then summer <laughs> will heat up again at some point. Wednesday. Uh, it's yeah, coming Wednesday. It's, yeah, It's riding season in the Twin Cities and the greater area, so... Uh, order before 8 p.m. They ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. When the open road calls, head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. Every season, the Olsons would gather on their dock. With all the weeds and muck, no one would go into the water, except for neighbor Larry, who would stand in there to cool off amongst the thick weeds. Hey, neighbors. Larry. But this season, the Olsons dropped a few aquaside pellets into their lakefront. After just one application, the water was crystal clear. And turns out, neighbor Larry is a free spirit and a fan of skinny dipping. Hey, neighbors. Oh, my. Who nude? New. Clear your lake or pond completely. Visit Aquaside.com. State permit may be required. All right, boys. Good little reckless speculation uh, session there on a Monday. Let's get to some statements here. Every Monday we deliver all the things that we observed over the weekend, be it in Minnesota sports or in Declan's case, I'm guessing, oh, at a wedding he was at. I got, I got one. Probably has I'll, I'll wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> got to build it up. He's got, That's what we do in the business. He's got one and three that he can't talk about. <laughs> but let's start with Judd. Judd, lead us off here on statements, wherever okay. you want to take us. All right. I, I would like to advance the, the Byron Buxton conversation from, okay. from why wasn't he playing and what's, you know, what's going on here? And then he comes back and plays in Texas and was great. And the Twins have won four consecutive games. Now, keep in mind, three of them were against the Rangers, who are worse than the Twins, and Texas is terrible. So we do need to calm down a bit. I saw some tweets about this. Might be it, you know, is are, are the twins at okay, let's calm down. But here's my statement. Byron Buxton needs to be playing at anything above sixty-five percent. All right, and here's why. <laughs> Unless it's a concussion, because if it's a head, that's different. But bodily wise, if he could play, if he's sixty-five percent or above, he needs to, to play. Because why treat this guy with kid gloves? First of all, he's not young now. He's not a kid. Like, it's not like, oh, my God, he's 22. You're going to ruin him if you play him. That's not true now. And until he breaks down because of that, there's no reason not to play him. Sorry, that was that was my fault. 
No worries. Continue. <laughs> no worries at all. Thank you, Batman. But anyway, <laughs> Byron Buxton needs to be playing if he's 65% or above because he's good enough at the plate now. There's enough other things. Oh, he can't run 100%. Okay, I don't know that I particularly care if he hits home runs. <laughs> so let's just establish this. 65% or above, and I'll even let him tell me. I don't care. Byron Buxton's now playing. Let's get down, Let's get way away from this. If he's not 100%, Byron can't play. Well, I think what's weird is... So so he goes and does his rehab stint in St. Paul and he triples maybe he wasn't running 100%. They did a it sounds like they did some sort of uh like he hit a ground ball and was running to first base and wasn't running 100% but but wanted to play. Like didn't want the rehab stint just because I'm not 100% doesn't mean I can't play. My bat's hot. Yep. I just want to get out there and help the team. And I, and he's also very aware of the public perception, which is that he's fragile. I mean, it's not even just a perception. It's a reality. He's one of the most fragile, injury-prone players in Major League Baseball. So he wants to play after that rehab stint. They send him out to Seattle, presumably to activate him. I know we want to get an eye on him, right? Well, you got you got plenty of people to put an eye on him back in St. Paul. You don't fly him to Seattle unless it's go time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my question is, did he really, from like the Wednesday in Seattle to the weekend, go from, oh, he's not 100%, we have to sit him, and he's not, he's not throttling, not, like Phil Miller from the Star Tribune was an eyewitness on like Tuesday, oh, he's not rolling, running full speed in the outfield, and then all of a sudden, Friday rolls around and he's fine? No. And he's hitting home runs again? Like, no. What happened between Tuesday and Friday? Why didn't he play in Seattle? Oh, we just want to give him a couple extra days. I, it, it smells fishy. Like... And here's the other thing, okay? Maybe this was all on the up and up, and maybe they just wanted to give him a few extra days, and that's fine. But I'm of the belief when a season train wrecks like this, and I got a couple statements in relation to this too that we'll get to, but when a season train wrecks like this, question everything. They don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. The front office, the coaching staff, like this has been, whether it's free agent acquisitions or whether it's some of the, even the smaller little trades that they've made, like, Almost everything has gone sideways this year. Byron Buxton is on the record a couple times throughout the last few years being upset with the organization. Why are we just taking the word at face value that, listen, everything's fine here. Like, do some digging on this mentally, fans, reporters. Why is this thing going off the rails? Is it just bad luck or is it bad decision making? Is there some bad chemistry behind the scenes? Is there some like there's more to it than, well, I don't know. They're just having a bad year. I don't know. I'm just questioning everything, well, and him, so that's why I've been so so skeptical. He didn't week. get healthy in like two days. That's ridiculous. So right. so the he could have played. Look, he's playing hurt now. He he ran out a ball early in Sunday's game at first base, which was of course because he's so fast a bang bang play. Right as he got to the bag, he did sort of a weird hop step, and you could tell he had tweaked it. Like I'm sure it hurts. His hip just bleeping hurts. Okay. Yeah. He he is so defensive now, and rightfully so, that he couldn't get away from Tommy Watkins, the first base coach, fast enough. Like, he bolted yeah. away and went, and that's because he doesn't want Rocco coming out of the damn dugout, and he doesn't want them be- being like, well, we should, he's playing hurt. But you know why he's playing hurt? Because he's nearing a pivotal point in his life where people aren't going to pay him if he can't play. So he's yes. like, screw it. I, and, and he needs to play for his sake. He needs to play at 65% too. So like, this is not just a twins thing. So let's just establish that. But the only reason to protect him from him, himself would be if he was young and you were afraid you were going to cause like irreparable damage. Byron Buxton is now nearing free agency. Um, this is no, this is not a let's be careful here. Uh, this is uh no, you know what? Go time. Okay, dude, you're 70%. You're playing tonight. And he wants to play. So, like, this just makes – this, to me, was one of the most mishandled, I don't know what you're doing things, um, but it just made no sense. He should have played. He wanted to play. I also – just to, to pull this back to sort of 30,000 feet for a second, I've gone in – really in one year, but, like, over the course of five years, I've gone from – I just blindly trusted a lot of the things that this organization was doing because they went from 100 losses to playoffs and then – they built the greatest home run hitting team of all time with help from a juiced baseball, but they still like they out homered the Yankees. They out homered all these other teams across baseball, right? 
Um, and they and they and some of these young players, especially in 2019, Kepler and Planco, they were all peaking at the same time, and it looked like wow, this organization mm-hmm. knows how to max out talent, and there's going to be some young pitching on the horizon. But then when you fast forward two years later. They whiffed on every offseason free agent pitching acquisition and Andrelton Simmons at shortstop. They whiffed on all those things. Uh, they haven't developed young pitching. Now, there's been some injuries that have prevented, like, it sounds like Duran might, Duran has a forearm strain or an elbow strain. Maybe he's headed for Tommy John. So there's been some bad luck here, too. But I guess what I'm saying is I've gone from, wow, these dudes are absolutely, like, top five front office. They see the matrix better than... Certainly, previous Twins front offices, um, and maybe even mo- more than the rest of the league in a lot of cases too. I am just my first instinct is to question everything. Now, are you guys kind of there too? Like, if yeah. I am I overreacting no. or? My, I mean, my, my immediate statement on, on the Byron Bucks one that I wrote down coming into this morning was Byron Buxton deserves better. Like Byron Buxton honestly deserves better than this ball club. The way they've been treating him for the last few years. I was listening to the uh, Texas Rangers broadcast yesterday in the ways that I watch all my games. And they brought up the Buxton situation from 2018. They brought up the fact they absolutely have to listen on trade requests for him. It's nice to hear other media outlets talk about it. I know it's Texas, so it's easy for them to talk about it. You'll never, like, honestly, do you think Dick Bramer and Justin Morneau are going to bring up what happened three years ago and the fragile relationship that basically is thin ice right now with Byron Buxton and and the Minnesota Twins having a long-term contract discussion? Like, Byron Buxton went through the rehab stint. He tore the cover off the ball. Then he comes back, and oh, maybe there was a little tweak. He had a weird little play at first base in that last rehab stint where he pulled up, and he said, no, 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 I don't want anyone coming out here because he knows if people see that, then the Twins are going to hold him back. And the Twins end up not playing him for all of that Seattle series. He comes back in in Texas, tears the cover off the ball. Like This this has only added more fuel of my fire since like January after the, after the loss to the Ashes in the playoffs, after the J.A. Happ scrap heap signings, that this, this something feels off about this Twins team. And it's now frustrated me to no end. And that my favorite thing that I love to do in the summer, like I've, I'm, I'm already checked out on it at June 21st. And that's so sad. I can't I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to piggyback off this. All right. Let's just let's just get all this out here. I know that they just swept. They just swept the Rangers. They're only 11 games under 500 now, boys. This should only be a 11, celebration. Only 11 right? games <laughs> under 500. Um, but he, all right, here's here's my next statement, or I guess my first statement. Mm-hmm. There's a low key underrated bad move, two of them actually, that the Twins front office made last off season that nobody talks about. Actually, one of them might have been two years ago. I can't remember. But let's talk about two guys here: Lamont Wade and Akil Badu. Okay, mm-hmm. so Lamont Wade was traded to the San Francisco Giants in the off season for Sean Anderson, sort of a just a veteran pitcher guy, right? Um, Sean Anderson was DFA'd after allowing 12 runs in eight and two-thirds innings over four games. Just like they saw him four times, and they were like, all right, all right, we're good. Goodbye. Good on that. And the Rangers actually picked him up, so he just just walked across the hallway to go put a Rangers uniform on. Um, Lamont Wade has an 814 OPS as a platoon center fielder in San Francisco and plays some pretty good defense. Yep. He's a walks, he's, he's a, he's a walks guy, works counts takes tough at-bats, and would have been a really, really rock-solid number 4 outfielder for a team that I think is like down to 6th on the depth chart for outfielders right now. They've had some issues uh, filling that spot. Also, Akil Badu for Detroit, an 853 OPS. He's a former second-round pick by the Twins just five years ago, okay? Now I can see like Lamont Wade, I think he was a ninth-round pick, uh, Big Ten college baseball player, so maybe the ceiling wasn't too high on him. Akil Badu, like I said, was a second-round pick in 2016, and they uh, they decided to not put him on the 40-man roster, leaving him exposed in the Rule 5 draft, and the Tigers swooped in and picked him up. And so, like, the fact that you would look at your 40-man roster, and it's just littered with dudes in their late 20s, early 30s, like random pitchers, Sean Anderson, uh, Luke Farrell, or out like journeyman outfielder guys like Kyle Garlick and Rob Refsnyder, even like Jake Cave and Matt Shoemaker. These are all just like nondescript dudes in their late twenties, early thirties that are just taking up twenty percent of your forty man roster. Akil Badu is a twenty two year old toolsy outfielder who can play center, and he's showing you what he can do in the big leagues with Detroit. And we don't talk about those moves, but like those are the little things, those little talent evaluation things where it's like, whoa. You, so you looked at Sean Anderson's like 
pitch repertoire analytics and said, all right, we're going to give up a center fielder who can be our fourth outfielder who draws walks and gets on base and can hit right-handed pitching for a guy that we think we can turn around. And then after four appearances in the big leagues, he's just gone from your roster. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, Woo-hoo. you know what, Wade was here quite a bit last summer during the uh, during the shortened 60 game regular season, and they saw him, and I will say this, this was a smart baseball player. Like, he's an ideal bench guy. Because he might not be the world's most talented player, but he definitely gets it, and he could play He could play the outfield, he could play first. Uh, but to backtrack to what you just talked about, Phil, he took great at-bats. Like, he took smart at-bats. He took, he took the anti-Sano at-bats sometimes. And how you settle on Jake Cave, like, Jake Cave is the name of the guy that they that they loved. You know, and they're like, well, Jake Cave's our backup... Okay, why? Like, what's J.K. doing? And why can't you see that Wade, who's an incredibly smart, toolsy player, is an ideal bench guy? Like, this is this is the definition of a bench guy, prepared constantly. Uh, so, yeah, they have – it's a combination of – I think it's a – it starts to me with hubris because it's this overarching we-can-fix-pitchers thing. Like, Sean Anderson – the Giants aren't doing this right. Wait till we get him, and then it's like, oh, I guess we can't fix him. So it's hubris uh, combined with potentially a lack of an eye for talent, which shocks me. Because a year ago, I never would have said that. But like when you see the guys now who, who are escaping, it's like that's the type of guys that you absolutely positively are paid to identify and keep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a very weird thing. And also it's like, okay, we signed Colome, so we can't DFA him, despite the fact he is useless. But this this young guy, who, by the way, could come around at some point in time, we're going to DFA him or not put him on the 40-man roster. I, I mean, they have really, from, from Rocco on up, exposed themselves in some ways this summer that I never expected would happen this quickly. Because we defended did, them on uh, all this stuff previously. Did Matt Shoemaker pitch this week? No. No. No, he's, so he, and why is the, he's just been he's just on the roster? Just he's just been traveling I'll, around. I'll yes. do that. I'll do that. I can do that. Yeah, I have no idea why he's there. <laughs> he but I mean, why, like how did he days. survive his last start? Throw, or, I'm, I'm sorry, his his last appearance. What? I throw as hard as Williams Osadiel. I can do that. That's, well, that's, and that's I'm glad he got sent down. Yeah. Oh, you know that what? Actually, was a positive can I, step. Can I can I jump in with a statement? Thank you for bringing him up. Okay, so I read a bunch of stories over the weekend that Williams Osadio took the news really hard that he was being demoted. Like, it was made a big deal that, like, it was really hard to deliver the news to Williams, and uh, it's just, uh, wow, boy, what a gut-wrenching decision, okay? So my statement is, we need to stop caring about things like this. <laughs> yes! Okay. Thank you! How long have I been saying this? They're okay. not humans. All right, he's... They're players. <laughs> well, well, I don't go humans. that far. They're, right. they're, they're human I, beings. You are a little bit more sociopathic in your view toward <laughs> I don't see them, but you are. can't view them as human <laughs> he's sometimes. A human. He's, a, he's, a human. he's a backup utility guy. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I would argue that his value to the team is because he is a human. Like, he's camaraderie guy. On a winning team. He's, On a winning team. That's great. But, On but a losing brings, team, it just becomes annoying. He brings some of those intangibles behind the scenes. Yeah, he's thanks, a, Jason he's a glue Bartlett. guy behind the scenes. I got, okay? I, I got right. Jason Bartlett's number one fan here. Williams but do like, another trick I, for us. <laughs> but if I that well, actually it's Kadire that did the magic tricks, not Jason Bartlett. Get your twins come clubhouse well, leader. Bartlett Come on, was Judd. the clubhouse guy, though. You okay. remember that? We signed yes. him because he's a clubhouse guy. Bleep you. <laughs> Greer also, I think, came back because he was a clubhouse guy. Through about eighty six miles an I'm hour. Sorry, at the I'm end, sorry, but I appreciate your out. I appreciate your statement. <laughs> and so like we you know, we we get so caught up in feelings and the you know, the, the twins organization can be this way sometimes. We're always I know he sucks as a player, but he's such a good guy behind the scenes, right? So Williams Astadio makes the big splash in 2018. That was the first year where we, La Tortuga, we had never heard of this guy. And all of a sudden, he's just like running around the bases, helmets flying off. He never strikes out. Uh, His first year with the Twins, he came up, played like the last couple months of the season, batted 355 in 2018. With an 887 OPS, and it was like, whoa, what did they, this is like Pablo Sandoval reincarnated in the American League, okay? The last three years for the Twins, 2019, 20, and 21, 288 on base percentage and a 675 OPS, and yes, he plays a bunch of positions, but not really well. No. You know, he's not, (laughs) he's not flying around the bases. Correct. He's not, he's not exactly, uh, 
Scott Rowland at third base defensively in his prime. Yes. He's he's a what he is is he's a good fun presence to have around. That's what he is. And he can come in when the Twins are down 13 to 2 and throw 45 mile an hour EFAS pitches and it's kind of fun to watch. But like if I have to hear one more sob story about how Oh, it's so hard to break the news to Williams. Like, guys, this is a freaking professional yes. sport. Okay, it's a like, bottom line cutthroat business. If you can't get yes. on base, sorry, well, dude. And like, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Gordon deserves to stay. Nick Gordon yeah. is a utility player in the major leagues. Ostadi is not. Ostadi is a great story. And and yes, on a winning team in what 2018 or 19. I'm sorry. Clubhouse presence was great. Guys loved mm-hmm. him. He was funny. He could he could go around. I'm sure he walked around like the red dog naked at times, and it was great fun. But the bottom line is Nick Gordon is a utility player in this league who deserves to be here, and I want to see more of Gordon. So Yeah. Um, well, here's another thing. Okay, yeah. real quick. So, like, Williams Astadio is, what, 29, 30? <laughs> I, get like really 30. About, I get really worked up about La Tortuga. And I know that the Twins went into this season like if they were going to lean toward the experienced 29-year-old guy on a win-now team than like unproven minor league guy. So I, I get that that was the prism through which they were viewing their offseason moves. But, you know, uh, it was December 10th of 2020 that, they, that the Rule 5 draft took place and they left a second round, a 21-year-old second round pick from a few years prior in Akil Badu, who we talked about. Yep. Like they just literally just let him walk because they didn't put him on the forty man roster. Well, you decided that Jake Cave and you decided that Williams Astadio that those guys could provide some value this year to your major league team, and maybe they thought that Akil Badu wasn't ready to play in the major leagues yet, right? Well, Badu's better than all the like literally everyone that the Twins are putting out there, not named Byron Buxton. Um, so, anyways, let's stop worrying about feelings. Okay. I guess is my all right. Sorry. Okay. okay. I'm going to shift slightly, and my statement from the weekend is this. We know better. We know better. Friday night, oh, Kevin God. Weeks, NHL Network, soon to be ESPN. He, his agent when he was a goaltender is, Caprice, is Kirill Kaprizov's agent now, okay? And the agent clearly told Weeks negotiations with the Wild are not going well. In fact, they're pretty much dead right now. So I want you to sound the alarm, all right? And the immediate response from a lot of people is like, Kirill Kaprizov has, you know what? Yeah, he he is he is technically uh, some type of of National Hockey League free agent, but the reality is he can't sign with another team, blah, blah, blah. And the threat that we tweeted about was, could Kirill go back to Russia? Because he he was in Moscow this weekend for a wedding, just like Declan was here at one, all right? But what where we know better was a lot of people summarily dismissed it, and they're like, he's not going anywhere, he's staying here, he's, okay, he's in control, and here's why. He can... He wants a short-term contract, two or three years. In three years, he will be a free agent, and he can walk. Um, I don't think he's going back home, but I will say this. I don't know anything about his personal circumstances. We don't know a thing about him. He, he spent the year here in a pandemic in his apartment, okay? I don't know. He's 24. He might love mom and dad. Who knows? But anyway, we know better in this state than to assume anything. What are we doing? The North Stars left. Like, we're the state of hockey? Do I need to remind you, in 1993, the NHL team, the the state of hockey team, up and left? So, let's... Okay, you're probably fine. I believe Kaprizov is coming back for 2021-22 for sure. But that being said, this, like, arrogance that we have, it's not earned. We should not assume anything until something's done. I hear you. I I think you just said it, though, so we're not going to totally disagree. He's not going to play in Russia next year. He's not going to play in Russia next year. So the, it sounds like the question is, he wants like a two- or a three-year deal so he can be a free agent in his prime again. Yeah, and the Wild it. are like, dude, we want to sign you forever. Eight you know, years, those yeah. Zach, the Zach Parisi suitor contract, if we could do that again, we would do it for you. We love you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do, but how do you think, I mean, realistically, do you think they signed him to a three-year deal? Yeah, and I think he, they're going to. He's, he's, they, he's in complete control. He's going to get what he wants. Um, I think he comes back. But that being said, it's 
if they could get him signed to a five-year contract, it's a huge win. Yes. Eight years ain't happening. Three years is probably going to uh, take place. But I'm just saying from as far as our perspective goes, sports fans in this state, I hate when we get haughty about, oh, this guy won't do this. or right. You know how many times we've been burned? Yeah. Neil Broughton played some time in Germany once. I mean, you know, this whole notion of, oh, oh, like we act like we're Boston or something. Yeah, it's weird. We don't have titles. We don't have. We don't really have cred. Um, Randy Moss got traded, so I'm just saying, I'm fine with saying I think he's coming back. But this whole notion of well, this was going to happen. It's no big deal. It's like okay, you might want to back off that a little bit. I get frustrated with the fans who dismiss things. We don't have the credibility to dismiss anything. Worst case is always the assumption. <laughs> <laughs> Assume the worst, hope for the best. Yes, Zolgad ex- model. Exactly Assume the right. worst, hope for the best. Uh, uh, I think yeah, we're ahead. back to Declan here, whose yep. next statement is going to be presented by Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, I don't know if they have wedding drunkness insurance. I don't think there. they do. I'll get there. But they definitely have insurance to help your business, give you peace Oof. of mind, risk management resources, you know. Uh, during these, This is severe weather season, and so electrical outages can be a thing and interrupt your business they can disrupt machinery, phone security, computer, refrigeration systems. You don't want that to happen. So go to federatedinsurance.com and check out uh, the various tools and uh, risk management plans for weather emergencies. And again, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Well, my, my, my statement on Kirill is going to be don't panic yet. Don't panic yet because I don't think it's ready to sound the alarm necessarily on it. I don't think the alarm's going off yet. I told Judd on Saturday morning pre-wedding when my head was still in a decent spot, because Friday night was also a night, um, that my panic level on the 1 to 10 scale, 1 being the least panic, 10 being I'm jumping out the window and sounding all the alarms, was a 3. Mm-hmm. It was a 3 in, the, in this Kirill Kaprizov contract talks being cold uh, situation. It's a 3. I still think the deal gets done. It's probably, like Judd said, I think it's probably a 4 or 5-year deal with a ton of money up front, and then he can cash in again at 28, 29 for a, a, a very lucrative deal with somewhere else. And also, if the Wild do not contend or win a Stanley Cup in the next four years, well, that was this is it. Like, the window is starting now. The problem is you can't assume necessarily that, oh, this was only the start, and things are only going to get better, and this was going to be the worst year of the Kirill Kaprizov era. You can't assume that, because you never know what can happen in sports with injuries, just ineffectiveness, and goaltending being volatile. There's a lot of things at play that go into that, but at the same time, the, the window is open right now. The West is wide open for you to possibly make a run if you get the right center and grit right pieces in here this summer to put the team over the top, because I do think the Wild are on the come of that. So don't panic yet. It's not a sound the alarm situation, but the, the window between four to five years is going to be the most likely window the Wild actually win a cup. It's not eight to ten years down the road. Yeah, I, I mean, basically with, with hockey players, sometimes sometimes depending on the style of player, they can carry skills into their late 20s, early 30s, but like, the age that Kaprizov is now, and then for the next four years, this is the peak of his physical powers. So um, just going back to our Jack Eichel conversation, I get a little nervous about gutting all of your depth to just cater to two players and their large contracts and and be so top-heavy. But when it comes to first-round picks, that's where I would lean a little bit more toward. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't care as much about first-round picks. And, you know, the Twins are guilty of this all the time. Well, I know that we have the greatest home run hitting team in the history of baseball, but uh, we got to be careful about giving up, you know, top prospects and whatnot. We don't want to mortgage too much of the future. It's like, well, the future isn't guaranteed for a million reasons. If you think you can win a Stanley Cup in the next two or three years, you should be aggressive and uh, and worry about Kaprizov hitting free agency in four years. Secondarily, go win this year and the year after. Great, he'll he'll be a great ranger or king though. The Meadows at Mystic Lake invites you to play their award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic experience that both beginner and expert golfers will enjoy. The Meadows at Mystic Lake features over 7,000 yards of pristine bent grass fairways, trees and greens surrounded by acres of wildflowers and prairie plants. This oasis, just minutes away from downtown Minneapolis, provides a magical escape to nature. It's never too early to book a tea time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by the Shakopee Mdwakatinsu community. Hopefully, hopefully after he hoists playing the first with Minnesota yeah, That's the thing about it, too. But yeah, by the way, if you, you can go get play that, the Kings if you, if you get yeah. the Stanley Cup championship, yeah, you hate to see him go. But you know what? You still got the rings. You still got the banner. 100%. Yep, A banner 100%. that you can hang up by that stupid number one for the fans. Sorry. Uh, I'm I'm that's all out turn. of statements. Yeah. I'm I'm oh. conceding. I'm 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 conceding my time to Declan Goff to talk oh. about 
the wedding. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, my, my statement is, it's, it's kind of two statements within one, but I'm going to combine it because uh, I'm a professional. Uh, it's open bars are dangerous, but do not underestimate my ability to rally. That is my statement. <laughs> open okay. bars are extremely dangerous at weddings. I told Judd uh, off the mic on Saturday. So the, the, the comped beverages at this wedding open bar were Moscow Mules, funny enough, just talking about Kirill Kaprizov. Wow, this is what wow. I said. Yeah. And comped. Comped. And then oh. old fashions. What? Yeah. No, dude. That's exactly. Yes. That's that what I said. So get out. Dangerous. Get so, out. The call's what, coming from inside the house. Bolt. Okay. Okay. Who is this family? And I need to start becoming friends with families so, that open up bars for old fashions at weddings. It was, uh, it, it was my best friend from high school, his wedding. And I'll tell you right now, I, and, and he would even admit to this if you if listen to this show, that he doesn't come from a lot of money. I know he doesn't come from a lot of money, but clearly they put all their resources into this bar. All their resources went into this wedding at this open bar. So the wedding was at 3 o'clock. Started at 3 p.m., quick ceremony right outside, 10 minutes long, and then the, the line for the bar immediately started. Like, within, like, hey, no, no, like, we're having to go greet the bride and groom. Like, no, we're going to the bar. We're going to the bar. By 7 p.m., four hours in, right after dinner, they had ran out of vodka. The vodka and Tito's was gone. The, Dude, the open, the open bar, for, you're saying that they had Moscow meals and old fashions. As an open bar for four hours, well, yeah, and Dude, well, it was is... the wedding was eight, and we ran out of vodka in four hours. In the bartender said, mo- m- "Most open bars are just wine and beer." Yeah, yeah. most open, yeah, because yeah. and then if you want a cocktail, you pay for a cocktail. Yep. Yep. And Coors Light was also available. Like if you wanted beer, or wine, like that was also part of the thing too. But the, the bartender said, "We have never seen so many people drink so quickly in such a short period <laughs> of time." <laughs> to the point where, yeah, I. Hit a wall at about seven o'clock. Uh, hate to get graphic. Had to go to the bathroom. Rallied back and was good to go. Was good to go oh, again. I've, I've never done that one. Oh, I can rally. I've got friends who have done that. I, I that, know. I could never do that. I hit that ceiling and like, of course, the line. Of the bar was so long that like each time I went up there, I got two drinks at a time. Hence, why everyone ran out of vodka at seven o'clock yeah. because people were getting so, two drinks at so a time. When, once it was gone. Did, were the drinks gone then as far just as... the vodka. The Moscow mules were out. So it was just Coors Lights okay, or so Old Fashions or, yeah, or, or beer, wine. Old Dude, this is harsh. what happens when people have, like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have been out and about with friends now, but, like, when people were mostly antisocial for, like, the last year and a half with the pandemic, you just need a little more alcohol to yep. relearn how to socialize with people, right? You yep. just, people feel a little bit, a little bit less comfortable a little bit more awkward. Not yeah, me. I gotta loosen up a little bit. Yeah, not me. But I mean, but at the same you're, time, you're always awkward. Yeah, I'm, I'm always awkward and, and ridiculous. But yes, it was it was a fun wedding. I was hurting in significant pain for a good chunk of yesterday. Um, I, luckily, I, I went out for a walk because I wanted some fresh air. But then the Stone Arch Fest was going on in River Parkway, like my normal walking path. So, like, imagine being at a hungover stage, and then you just see seas of people in the one area that you want to see no one because you're just trying to clear your head. Yeah, Sunday was rough. I love Stone Arts Festival, man. Oh, I love I it, too. To live on, I used to live on Main Street yeah. for three years. I'd literally walk out the front door, yeah. just walk into a Polish sausage booth. And it was— They also had Polish Festival down there, too. It was, on the, it was on the North Loop side this year. So usually it's on the St. Anthony Main side, like where you're talking about. This year it was physically on the River Parkway Stone Arch side for, for this year. Why'd they move it away from— uh, I don't know. Saint I think Main. maybe just like create more area. So there, there's more room on River Parkway, too. Like they closed the whole part, uh, road down, so— hmm. But yeah, uh, uh, open bars I are dangerous. Festivals. Open bars are very, 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 very dangerous. But don't ask. Well, you rallied. I've I rallied never, hard. I've never, I rallied. I've never done nope. that, and I couldn't. Nope. I know. I know where to. Like, like to once tap that out. occurs, I'm done. The groom didn't see me from like seven to nine p.m. And then he saw me on the dance floor. He goes, "Oh my god, you're still here." He thought I had left. He thought I had hit the wall and, and left because he knew I was not feeling well. <laughs> wait, so wait, so you did, were did you gone go down for somewhere? two hours? No, no, no. I wasn't gone for two hours. He was just mingling. You know, he was oh, being okay. the groom, mingling around. So you he took care of business. Came oh, back. I took care of business. Came back. Was ready to go. You know what? Rocco never would have allowed that. No. Doc Rock would have. Would Doc have Rock me, would have said, "You're Doc done. You're done, set me on the shuttle. You're done for the night. Doc you're going Rock would have home." Set me on that and shuttle. And you would have been like, "But Doc home. Rock, I'm my no, contract's no, no, no. coming up pretty soon. I'm actually Rocco would have pulled you after the second old fashioned. He he never would have let it get to three, four, five, six, seven old fashions. Two old fashions. You're out. Can I give you guys one more? Because we, I think we'd be remiss not to at least hit on this one. Watching golfers melt down at the U.S. <laughs> Open is maybe one of the most entertaining things in sports. The back nine at the, the Open on Sunday. I mean, my God. Mm-hmm. They, 
I mean, Bryson DeChambeau completely lost it. But other, for the most part, Dude. aside from like two guys, everyone just fell apart. I loved it. It was so much fun. It was great. I think uh, th- that's about as bad. Bryson's back nine. He was leading after the front nine. I think he had a one-stroke yep. lead. He had a one-stroke lead. And then, like, every time they showed him, at one point, his ball was next to a Stella Artois box. Classic. Uh, they were all empty. That was a great thing. <laughs> it was, someone had shoved can- the cans back in. Uh, I think it was a Darren Ravel that said that's an estimated two hundred thousand dollars in free advertising for Stella Artois. I thought the same ball thing. Rolling over the that's box. awesome. But then there was a couple shots where he was like, you know, in some jungle area of Torrey Pines, and he he shanked like two or three shots. I think he's the type of dude that mentally, when things start to spiral, he's just in screw it mode. But that's the problem with the U.S. Right. Open. These guys start to panic on the back nine, and this happens like every other year. They start to panic because oh my god, I'm. I'm about to bogey a hole. It's like, guys, everybody's bogeying. Right. All you have to do is just not melt down. And it, like everyone's coming down to earth. Everyone's going to be, you know, now it wound up that I think minus six was the winning score, so it wouldn't have mattered. But that was a blast. And John Rahm, two weeks ago, was pulled out of the tournament after the third round with a six-stroke lead at the Memorial. He was going to win running away on Sunday. And they yes. pulled him off the course after his round was done because he tested positive for COVID. And uh, That's a ding you for you, see- right? Right, Phil? Uh, I did predict that. Didn't you do a write that down, yeah, John that's a, Rahm? That's a, that's a dinger. It's a home run for that's sure. That's a dinger. Yep. I also put some money where that was, too, oh, so you guys you. know. Hey. Yeah, it's great. Nice, nice. Um, did you guys see Phil Mickelson? Yes. Oh, yeah. Talking just to Tom sitting next to John Rahm's wife. Okay. <laughs> that was me pulling out the chair with the bridesmaid. on. just I did the same thing. I walked down the whole thing. I grabbed a chair. No, I didn't do that. I, I'm not as good and as the, And then the microphones picked him up. Like You could hear it's just great. Little, like clips, and he was just like, yeah, it was just a great just a great, just a great, great final round, great back nine, just like golf, golf small talk. With did that not look like a scene, though, from a film where, where Phil's like, like this sort of slick, sort of sleazy type of guy? Yeah. Because she's what? She's probably 25, right? Uh, yeah, his wife, probably. Rom's yeah. wife. Phil's my age. He's fifty-one, and it was just, like he's obviously he's friend. I think they both went to the same. Arizona they both might have gone to. They Arizona did. State. I'm just saying. When I saw that initially, I just started howling because I thought yes. it was so funny. And Phil, like, like you know, Phil's just so casual. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Um, the other hilarious so thing, so Phil name? did. He did make the cut, but I think he was like way. You know, he had finished his round hours before John Rom got done. So. Instead of hop, like normally those guys would just hop on their private jet and go back home. Not so. But he was just like hanging out, watching John Rahm. Maybe he wanted to congratulate John, or maybe he uh, wanted to uh, sit next to John's wife. That was that's how it came off, and it was funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. It I think for Phil, I I think that part of, of his genius is too. You know, he spent how long in Tiger's shadow, right? And and now he's sort of like in some ways, a face of golf. Like, he's sort of like mm-hmm. a, um ambassador for golf, right? Like he's, yeah, like, everywhere. You know, Tiger's got a shattered comes leg off, and hip bone. And he yeah. come, but he comes off as likable now, I think. I think yeah. he does. Um, yeah. But I'm. it's just, he, he's, like, pounced on this opportunity at the age of 51 to be who he was not at probably 27. Yeah. And he was it good is. back then. He's really good, but I don't think that he was the face of golf like Tiger was. It is hilarious. Uh, the face of golf in the Twin Cities is PXG, PXG Minneapolis and Southdale Center. Uh, now, John John Rahm, not a PXG guy, so I don't know. I I mean, he could probably take his game to another level. I might recommend the Gen 4 clubs. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't have had to sweat that thing out at the end if he had those Gen 4 mm. clubs, the drivers, the fairways, the hybrids. Maybe you would have been two or three extra shots clear. Um, and if you want to look sharp during these golf months, plenty of summer apparel inside that PXG store. Golfer's Paradise, PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center, and find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. All right, boys. A little reckless speculation Thursday on a Monday today, some statements, and uh, we appreciate everyone. We are almost to 6,000 subscribers on the Score North YouTube channel. I think we're over 15,000 subscribers on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And so I know a lot of you guys listen to us in podcast form, and that helps us as well. Uh, subscribing to our YouTube channels and downloading the Score North app is, uh, is another way that you can help us out. So thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll see you guys tomorrow.